Turn your Bibles to John chapter 16 this morning. John chapter 16. Well, I have about two pages less notes than I usually have. I'm glad I didn't get a whole bunch of amens there. <laughs> uh, so I suspect, I suspect uh, it, it, it'd probably be a little bit shorter today. Um, you know, I, I don't tend to be long-winded anyway, at least I, I hope not. Uh, I just try and say what the Lord's laid on my heart and get be done and, and sit down. Amen. So that's what we're going to try and do this morning. John chapter 16, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, look down in verse number 7 with me. We're going to read verse 7 through verse number 13. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged." I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Most of you, uh, if not all of you, are familiar with the story of Jonah. This story of a man who was called of God to be a prophet and was told to go and preach the gospel to the hostile and wicked people of Nineveh. Not really interested in that task, he determined he would go the other direction. He decided he was going to try and run from God. He decided that he wanted to flee, the Bible says, flee from the presence of the Lord. How many of you know that's a pretty futile endeavor? You can't flee from the presence of the Lord. Um, I've wondered what kind of a place was Tarshish that Jonah thought he could go there and God would not be there. I think it had to be a place no Christian should be. I mean, if in Jonah's mind he thought God is not anywhere near Tarshish, God is not going to be at Tarshish, I'm going to flee to Tarshish, I'm going to flee from the presence of the Lord and go to this place called Tarshish, well, I don't know what he, what he was thinking, but you can't run from a loving God. God knows where you're at, and God has your number. And he's going to send that Holy Spirit to come and convict you of sin. I don't care how far down you've gone. Jonah decided he was going to go down to Joppa. And then he was going to go down into the bottom of the ship and ultimately go down to probably live a life of sin. But you know what? Satan will always take you down, but God knows where you're at. Amen. The Holy Spirit, God's going to send to convict your heart of sin and to tell you where you're at and to draw you back to him. I want to preach to you this morning for a few minutes on a message that I entitled, The Comfort 
of conviction. The comfort of conviction. Look back with me, if you would, in verse number 8. He said, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The comfort of conviction, and I hope that the title makes sense. We're going to deal with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has many responsibilities. There's things that the Holy Spirit does for us. We enjoy talking about the comfort, but I want you to know that far more important is the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to the believer. First of all, I want you to contemplate with me the presence of conviction. That that present conviction is there down in verse number 13, John chapter 16 there in verse number 13. He says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He, the, the spirit of truth is come. I want you to know that the Lord sent this into our lives. And maybe you are here this morning and you're, you're not really sure about who the Holy Spirit is and what his job is or responsibility for the believer is and not even sure where the Holy Spirit came from. Well, first we want to look at the creation of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I want you to know this morning, if you don't already know, that the Holy Spirit wasn't created. You see, the Holy Spirit, as part of the Godhead, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three are one, and the one are three. They're all individual persons, and they are all part of the Godhead. You say, Pastor Caleb, can you explain that so I can understand it? No, I just believe it because the Bible told us it. God said it, and I believe it. It's settled whether I believe it or not. We have the Godhead. The Holy Spirit always has been and always will be. We don't know anything about what happened before creation. But the Bible is pretty clear that the Holy Spirit was there at creation. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2 it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We have in creation, you get to see all three members of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and here, God the Holy Spirit. I want you to know this morning that the Spirit wasn't created. He always has been, and He always will be. Job said in Job 33, 4, that the Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. So the Spirit was there at creation, but there was a time where God determined in His infinite wisdom a time when the ministry and work of God the Son, Jesus Christ, was finished on earth. How many of you are glad that he finished the work? He finished the work. He went to the cross and died for you and I, and he said, it is finished. The work that the Father has given me to do is finished. His job was done. And, of course, his followers, the disciples, they longed for him to be there, to be in his presence. And they, they, they didn't want him to leave, but he said, hey, I've got to go. You see that in verse number 7. He says, I've got to go. My job is done. My time is finished. I've got to go be on the right hand of the Father because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. The Comforter's not going to come. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, verse number 7. It is expedient for you. He says, you may be disappointed, but I want you to know this is good for you, that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart... I will send him unto you. So God has sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has a job, has a responsibility. He has something that he's supposed to be doing here on earth in the lives of men. 
Part of that work is to guide men into all truth. And in so doing, he will reveal unto men their sin. We see that convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that the very first work of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin? That is the first work of the Spirit. We enjoy talking about how he is a comforter and how he will comfort us. But the first work is to convict of sin. Look at verse number 8. He says, and when he is come, what's the next, the rest of that sentence? He will reprove the world of sin. That is his first work. That is his job. He is to reprove the world of sin, to reveal the sinful nature of men in their state. Beloved, I want you to know this morning that before a man can be saved, he must be convicted. Before a man will call upon an almighty Savior and ask them to save them, they must know that they are a sinner, that they're in need of a Savior, that they can't take care of their sin problem themselves. They need Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And it's not just a matter of knowing that there's something that you've done wrong. And it's not just a matter of being afraid that you're going to get caught. You see, sometimes kids are sorry they got caught. They ain't sorry at all that they done it. But they're sorry they got caught. But a sinner who is convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit of God are sorry for their sin. Like that Philippian jailer who came and he fell at the feet of the apostles there and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was convicted of the fact that he was a sinner and he needed a Savior and he couldn't save himself. Beloved, before anybody will call on a Savior, they've got to know they're a sinner. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit. He convicts men of sin. He shows them their need of a Savior. But his work is not done when you get saved. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit now dwells in your heart. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you into all truth. And he still convicts you of sin. In Acts 5.32, he says, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is in us and he convicts us of sin when we're doing wrong. Some might say, well, Pastor Caleb, that doesn't sound very comfortable. I thought you titled this message The Comfort of Conviction. How, how, where did you come up with that title? You just needed it to be alliterated and so you threw it on there. Comfort has nothing to do with conviction. Conviction makes you uncomfortable. But ultimately, in the end, it will bring comfort. So what I want you to see, secondly, is the privilege of conviction. Beloved, it is a privilege to experience the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oswald Chambers said, conviction of sin is one of the rarest things that ever strikes the heart of man. It brings him to the threshold of understanding God. Jesus Christ said that when the Holy Spirit came, he would convict of sin. And when the Holy Spirit rouses the conscience and brings him into the presence of God, it is no longer his relationship with men that bother him, but his relationship with God. Beloved, it's a privilege to feel and know the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. 
to be convicted of our sin. It is a discomfort that when you are wise and understand the work that it's doing, you're grateful for. The Holy Spirit is that, you could say it is the nerve ending of spirituality that lets you know when there's a problem. It's the way that you are able to have some feeling regarding spiritual things, like the nerve endings that are on your epidermis that that allow you to feel pain. You know, there are a couple hundred cases that are known of in the world today where men cannot feel pain. They could literally undergo surgery without anesthesia and would be okay. There is one man, um, Stefan Blitz, who's a college student currently and he has lived his life feeling no pain at all. As As a boy, his parents thought He had some real mental uh, deficiencies or problems because he was always getting hurt. His body was always bruised up. He was always doing things that that fractured his bones. And ultimately, they determined that uh, he had this disorder that he could feel no pain. And without the ability to feel pain, you have nothing to dictate your bones. Why is it that you don't grab a hot pan? Because you know it's hot. You've learned. You don't check if a pan's hot by putting your hand in it. That's not the way you find out if it's hot. Then it's too late. You're already burned. But somebody that has not, as a young boy, you see, you have no fear because you don't know what pain is. The first fractured bone Stefan had was when he was four years old and he jumped down a flight of stairs. You see, there's something in you and I that say, When I reach the bottom, that's going to hurt. I don't think that's a good idea. Even if you have a friend telling you, yeah, you can do it, go. Inside of you, there's something that's saying that's not a good idea. There's something wrong here. There's, it's going to feel pain. And here's the privilege that we have with the Holy Spirit. It is the warning sign. It is the caution. It is the thing that spiritually lets you know that there's a problem and you shouldn't go that way. We ought to be thankful for the Holy Spirit. Yes, it brings discomfort. Yes, it brings sadness in your heart, in your life, and you realize that you've done wrong. But we ought to thank God we have a Holy Spirit that's guiding us into all truth, that's convicting our heart of sin and keeping us from destroying our life. We can thank God for that convicting spirit. We also ought to be comforted by the fact because When you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's confirmation of conversion. It's a confirmation that you know that you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. It's you know because God the Father is treating you like a son. The Bible says he will chasten those whom he loves. That the hounds of heaven are coming after you. The Holy Spirit is reaching down into your heart and convicting you. You used to be able to run around and do whatever you want. You used to be able to go these places and have a good time. I had a young man telling me I used to be able to go clubbing and I would enjoy it. And it was fun. Now that I'm a Christian, I don't enjoy it. And I said, that's because you ain't supposed to enjoy it. (laughs) 
The Holy Spirit's supposed to make you uncomfortable when you're in places you ain't supposed to be. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You're going down that road and the Holy Spirit says, it's not where you're supposed to go, not where you're supposed to be. And you say, I used to do this and it was no problem. But now you got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is bringing conviction in your heart. Be thankful for that work. It lets you know for sure that you're a child of God. There are false teachers today who promote religion without relationship. They want followers of them, not followers of Christ. They sell a gospel that has no conviction. You see, truth brings conviction. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's the truth that sets men free. It's the truth that deals with the root of the problem. Could I encourage you today, don't get mad at the preacher when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Some people say, you were preaching right at me today. Well, we like to say is we're not preaching at you, we're preaching for you. Amen. <laughs> we're trying to be a help to you. And if the Holy Spirit, you know, gets his finger and puts it up against your chest and says, that's you, it's not me. I, didn't, I don't even know. And you're like, some people have said, how did you know? How did you know that? I was dealing with that this week. I didn't know the Holy Spirit knew. And the Holy Spirit is coming and convicting you. And it's amazing how many people get upset at the preacher because they're convicted of sin. Don't get mad at the preacher. Thank God for his convicting, the Holy Spirit's conviction. Praise God and be thankful to the preacher that God is using him. Men today, preachers, many of them are afraid to preach the whole counsel of God. Because they don't want people getting upset. Because they don't want people to feel that convicting power of the Holy Spirit and get mad at them. John 12, 43 says, for they love the praise of men more than they love the praise of God. There is men that won't preach straight or won't preach the truth because they know it's convicting. The truth brings conviction. And we would rather be tickling ears and telling fun stories and enjoying time in church and go away encouraged instead of really helping somebody. That's the situation in many churches today or many places today, but I want you to know that's not what we need. What we need is the conviction of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. That's what we need. Man, here's the problem of conviction. The problem of conviction is we feel guilt, and we don't like feeling guilt. It is the Holy Spirit that has now begun to work in your life and he is beginning to train your conscience to put your conscience in line, not with society as we were talking about in Sunday school today. Many people that are blinded by sin or, or they live by what is acceptable in society. But now that you're saved, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart and you begin to get a conscience that's trained in line with the word of God and with what God says The verses that we read there uh, on on the Holy Spirit, he says he's not going to speak the things of himself. He's going to speak the things which he has heard, those things that are of the Father. 
So the Holy Spirit's going to train us and begin to convict us of things maybe we weren't convicted of before, before we saw no problem with it, before it was fine to go out and drink a little bit as long as I didn't get drunk and, and go rob a bank or I didn't go get drunk and, and beat somebody up. I mean, as long as I was still nice to people, it's okay. But the Holy Spirit starts convicting us of that and says, this is not what you should be doing. You say, well, what's wrong with it? I don't know why I feel this way now. I used to enjoy a good beer, but now I don't. This whole Christianity stuff's ruining my life. (laughs) I've had somebody tell me, you know, I used to really enjoy watching this old show. I just really enjoyed this show. Since I've been coming to your church, I can't sit and watch that anymore. I said, it's not me, and my church has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't blame it on me. It's the Holy Spirit that's starting to convict you when you're watching something you know you shouldn't be watching. I'm not at your home sitting on your shoulder telling you don't look at that. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing that. And boy, we ought to love the Holy Spirit for it and be thankful for it and respond to him. And boy, I wish I could chase some rabbits on grieving the Holy Spirit, but we're not going to go down that road. I want you to understand the problem of conviction is guilt. And we don't like feeling guilty. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, he says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. Paul said, listen, I'm not happy that you feel bad. As a preacher, I'm not glad that you're miserable sitting in church. I don't want you to be miserable. I want you to be happy. I want you to be enjoying it. I want you to be loving it. I want you to appreciate the work of the Lord that he's doing in your heart. Paul said, I'm not, I, I'm not, I, I'm sorry that you're sad, but hey, I rejoice that this sorrow brought repentance He says, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Verse number 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but that the sorrow of the world worketh death. He said, this is a godly sorrow. It's a sorrow that moves you to make a right decision. To repent of that sin and to turn back to God and do what you know God wants you to do. I rejoice, he says, that your godly sorrow has worketh repentance. C.H. Spurgeon once said, there can be no grace where there is no guilt. He said, I don't like feeling guilty. But when you feel that guilt, you can experience the forgiveness of God. The grace of God that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, people have said, I don't, I don't like going to those you know, strong Bible preaching churches. I, I just don't like feeling guilty when I leave. Well, don't get mad. Get right. That'd be like going to the ER and telling them, you know, I don't like coming here. You're always telling me what's wrong with me. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't like that. I mean, I, I come down here, Doc. One, one guy went to the ER, you know, and he came in, and Doc said, "Well, what's the problem?" And he said, "Well, Doc, I just want to tell you that my hands are working awesome. I've got good, strong hands." 
And the doctor said, yeah, okay. But where's the area of concern? He says, doc, I want you to know my feet are working good. They're really good. They're working fine. Okay, but you're at the hospital. So what, what is the issue or how can we help you? And he says, doc, I walked all the way here from my home. No problems with my knees at all. Amazing for a guy my age. And the doc said, yeah, but we deal with problems at the hospital. So where is the problem? The guy said, well, that's pretty negative. That's pretty, I mean, I like to be optimistic. I like to be positive. I like to be encouraged. Why do you want to dwell on my problems? The doc said, because we're here to help fix the problem. And a lot of times Christians come to church that way. Pastor, just tell me where I'm doing good. Just pat me on the back. Let's talk about the, the I, hey, I'm doing really good in this. Boy, I really got this fixed. Boy, my, my, my legs are doing, my Bible reading's doing really good right now. Oh boy, I'm really on fire for this, or this is exciting. Let's talk about this. This is great. But you see, this is not a self-esteem clinic. This is a spiritual hospital where we should be confronted with the problem through the power of the Holy Spirit and be encouraged and challenged to deal with the problem. You see, the problem with a lot of the churches today that are just self-esteem clinics, that just want to have a little uh, uh, hey-hurrah service and let's pat everybody on the back and encourage everybody, and everybody gets to walk out of church feeling good and excited, you know what? We haven't dealt with the problem. That would be like me going to the doctor and say, Doctor, uh, I have a brain tumor. What can we do about it? And the doctor says, Well, you want to feel better, don't you? Yeah, I, want, I would want to feel better. He says, Here, take this morphine. Oh, man, that feels so much better. But we haven't dealt with the problem. It's a temporary solution that's ultimately going to lead to death. And we've got... Places that call themselves houses of worship all over our country that are bringing people in Sunday after Sunday and they're giving them a temporary solution. They're helping them feel better about their current life and the state that they're in. But there's no Holy Spirit conviction that's dealing with the sin that lays in the bottom of their heart and nothing's getting changed. We need God to change us. We need the root of the problem fixed. We need the tumor of sin removed from our heart, taken out of our mind, taken out of our life, so our relationship can be restored, so our home can be restored, so our love can be back what it ought to be, so our relationship with Christ could be right. But if we don't deal with the problem, all we did is cover it up. All we did was mask it a little bit. Oh, we feel pretty good today. Boy, wasn't it great? But we know we haven't fixed it. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come in and reach down into our heart to to piercing the dividing asunder of soul and spirit using the Word of God and the Spirit of God to show us where we need to fix the problem. And when we respond, man... Is there comfort? Know that there's nothing between me and my Savior. To know that it's all restored and everything is right. Every sin is forgiven and under the blood of the Lamb. 
The relationship is good and I, I, I may not be able to keep it perfect right for very long because I'm just a wicked old sinner saved by grace. But I know that if I come to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Be thankful for that work that the Holy Spirit does in our life. Could I tell you this morning that churches, pastors, and other Christians do not cause guilt. Guilt is caused by sin. And the remedy is repentance. That's all we have to do is repent of that sin and turn back to him. Just confess and forsake that sin and you're forgiven and your relationship is restored. Are you glad today that you don't have to confess that sin to a man? That we don't have to go and tell somebody, I'm thankful I don't have to go and tell Brother Hunt the times this week that I was not as loving as I should have been to my wife. I'm glad I don't have to go tell him the times that I lost my, uh, I was being led by the flesh instead of the spirit. But I, when the Holy Spirit convicts me, I can go to him. This week something happened in my family and I responded incorrectly. I got in the flesh for a minute, just for, just for a minute. But in just, just, just a minute, you can do a lot of damage. And I had to apologize to my family. As soon as I did it, the Holy Spirit pushed right down in my heart. And I'm like, but I'm the head of this home. I'm, I'm the boss here. I should be able to do this. And the Holy Spirit's like, you know that wasn't right. You know that wasn't the right way to deal with that. You caused more pain than you hurt more than you helped. It was not the way to deal with it. In my heart, I was just convicted, sitting there trying to ignore it, trying to be spiritual. You know, I was studying for a message. I was writing a sermon, and I couldn't concentrate on the sermon because the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. I had to say sorry to my family for the way I responded, and then go to the Father. I'm thankful today that God is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You can go right to him anytime. You don't have to wait till you get in the church house. The Holy Spirit convicts you. Immediately, just say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry for thinking that thought. I'm sorry for saying that. I'm sorry for going down that road. Lord, help me to live better. Help me to stay closer to you. Help me to stay right with you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. We've been studying the book of 1 John. In 1 John 1, verse 8, 9, and 10, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin... You say, I don't like all this preaching about the conviction of sin. I mean, but if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The problem is we're deceived. He says, but if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
And the problem is, is too many places are treating the symptoms instead of really dealing with the problem. Remember this, conviction exposes sin. That is the first work of the Holy Spirit. He does a lot of other things, and maybe we'll teach some more on the Holy Spirit next week and deal with some other things that the Holy Spirit does for us that we can praise God for. But his first work is conviction. Exposing sin brings sorrow. You begin to feel guilt. But you see, sorrow brings repentance. And when there's repentance, there can be forgiveness. And when there's forgiveness, there's joy. There's joy. To know that you've been forgiven. Yeah. Brother Jim said today that he uh, got saved. He's going through the discipleship. There's nothing like knowing that it's all been forgiven, right? It's been forgiven. Jesus Christ paid that debt, all of it, 100%. Nothing I have to do. It's all under the blood of the Lamb. All I had to do was confess and come to Him, repent. And the joy that comes into your heart, I mean, you feel like a new man. You, you, you feel like you got energy. You feel, I mean, just that ultimately the joy of the Lord, that is our strength, comes from knowing the the thrilling joy of forgiveness, of seeing God's grace extended in your life. It is really the way that God shows us that he loves us. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How foolish it would be to turn away from that privilege of conviction. And the Holy Spirit touches your heart. Says, hey, pastor didn't even say anything about this, but you know you've been doing this and you should get, you should get it right. Pastor didn't preach on this, but the Holy Spirit drills down into your heart and says, hey, what about this? What about that? Don't turn away from that. Thank the Lord for it. Confess, repent, and know the joy of forgiveness.